uh, if you have a Bible, uh, go ahead and open up to uh, Matthew chapter 19. Making our way through Matthew, and we're going to be in uh, verses 13 to 15. So two two short verses, uh, three short verses uh, today. And they say this, as the children were then brought to him, brought to Jesus, that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and he went away. Now, Jesus has had a little bit to say uh, up to this point uh, in Matthew about children. If we back up just a tad uh, into Matthew 18, uh, 18 uh, verse 1, it says, At the time that the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. So Jesus uh, in Matthew 18 uh, has some pretty poignant things to say about children, saying that we must become like children if we're to enter the kingdom of heaven even saying that the greatest in the kingdom of heaven uh, is like a child. And, and uh, you can go back and listen to that sermon if you want to take a deeper dive uh, into this. But Jesus is reminding us that um, we are all children of God. In order to come to God, it requires a, a childlike faith in that we just have trust in our heavenly Father like a child would have trust uh, in their parents. And he reminds us that you know, causing children to sin is, is a big deal, and, and God takes great offense at causing the little ones to sin. Just a few verses later in Matthew eighteen ten, he says, See that you not, do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. And so again, Jesus uh, showing that he has concern and care for children and really calling us as Christians not to despise children and to have the same kind of concern and the same kind of care. Uh, so at the end of the day, we see that God values children. We see that to be a Christian is to be childlike in our humility and in our dependence upon him. Uh, and in our passage today, uh, we're going to see again that Jesus values the children. And so we're told in our passage today in uh, Matthew nineteen thirteen that the children were brought to him <clears throat> that he might lay hands on them and pray. And, and so we see just right out of the gate that someone, uh, presumably the parents of these children, took some initiative to bring their children directly to Jesus. Luke's gospel includes the detail that some of these children were even infants. So we don't know the, the span of the ages uh, of the children, but um, you know, young enough where they couldn't come to Jesus on their own and they had to be brought by their parents, uh, including infants. Uh, it's worth noting that it was a custom of the day that children or parents would bring their children uh, to rabbis for this purpose. So this wasn't necessarily something that would have been weird uh, or unexpected. Charles Spurgeon, one of our favorite preachers, has this to say regarding uh, this passage in the next. He says, Oh, that we all had the right idea of the possibility of the conversion of little children. Nay, not only the possibility, but that we looked for it. 
that we watched for it and that we encourage young children to come to Christ. You know that in the parable I'm going to read presently, we were told that the householder went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. What a privilege it is to be brought to Christ early in the morning. This is the, that is while we were yet still children. And I don't think anybody in this room would, would argue uh, with the value of children. Many of you uh, have raised children. Some of you are still raising children. And so we definitely value that. I hope you know that here at the door that we value children, which is why we have uh, the things that we do on, on a Sunday morning so that the children have a place to go and that they can learn in an age-appropriate manner uh, about Christ and who He is and what He's done for them. Uh, the Lord has saw fit to bring families uh, our way. And so uh, because that's the case, we, we do what we can to minister to families in, in the most appropriate way possible. It's a great thing when, as a parent, you can bring your child to Christ in some way. And that doesn't happen exclusively at church. I think sometimes the mistake parents can make is to rely on the church to, to train their children uh, in the ways of the Lord. But be encouraged as parents is that, that you have a, a job, you have a duty or a mandate from God to raise your children uh, in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And so it's not only the job of the church, but it is uh, our job not only uh, corporately as a church, but, but have you ever thought about collectively the idea that, that we kind of all bear some responsibility for one another's families? One of my fondest memories growing up in the church, I was raised in the church, and one of the things that I so looked forward to when I would go to church on a Sunday morning um, was that adults paid attention to me. I had certain adults that I, that I, like, I, I hope I get to talk to this person today, and maybe I was a weirdo, I don't know, but, but that was just something that always kind of drew me into the church, uh, is, is that people would take the time to invest in me and talk to me and uh, ask me how my week was or how my day was going, and they, they took interest, and that, that mattered to me. Even as a little kid, that mattered to me, still matters to me today. And I don't know if you've thought about when you get to come on a Sunday morning, um, the interaction that you might have with a child, how meaningful that could be to the child. Just that an adult would take the time to show care and concern and, and pay attention to them as their parents are bringing them to a place where they get to learn about the Lord. And, and even the opportunity that you have to impart something about the Lord uh, to a child who maybe isn't yours, but God has brought your way to do that. And I find it interesting in our passage today that as these parents brought the children to Jesus, it says that the disciples rebuked the people. Now, the disciples, they have their moments here and there, right? Where, you know, it's kind of a head scratch. Like, why would they rebuke people for bringing their, their children uh, to Jesus? And when I think about this, I think of one particular instance years ago in a church where uh, we had this one particular family that uh, they always showed up late. Um, and, and everybody knew when they arrived because they brought with them just lots of noise and lots of chaos. Uh, they had several kids and, and, and you just kind of knew when this family showed up. And I think kind of the general attitude for most people was like, it's them again. And I remember this one particular Sunday where, um, you know, they just let their kid run around the sanctuary while we were singing. Um, and it was pretty distracting. 
And I found myself in a moment, like, like what's the right thing to do here? Do you, do you call more attention to it and embarrass people, or you just kind of let it run its course and deal with it later? And, you know, just not, not always, uh, you, you don't always know in the moment what the right way to handle it is. And so we just kind of let it, you know, run its course, and everybody was distracted. And you could tell everybody was super agitated. Uh, everybody was ready to rebuke this family. And I had a person um, immediately when singing was over pulled me back into my office and just, I mean, you could just see the red, you know, like on a cartoon and just livid. And like there was a threat that like if that happens again, we're not coming back to this church. And I just remember sitting there kind of shaking my head thinking like this is a family that obviously needed some help, needed some guidance in raising their kids. And, and they were making an effort to bring their kids to Christ by coming to church. And people were visibly agitated about this rather than having an attitude of like, what can I do to help? You know, how can I encourage this family? And, and kind of like the disciples, you know, people, at least in their minds, were, were rebuking this family. And we're told here that Jesus said, let the children come and do not hinder them. And I'm not saying that, you know, should let just kids, you know, run around and, you know, like that. That wasn't a good situation. But, but Jesus, as he often does, kind of sticking above the fray, reminds his disciples to not hinder the children because to such, he says, belongs the kingdom of God. We're, we're told in another gospel, kind of the Mark's gospel account, that, that Jesus was indignant towards the disciples uh, and their rebuking of these families. And I want to take just a little bit of a side note here for a moment. This causes me to think about just kind of this whole scenario, how we approach church and how we approach community and how we approach our involvement with one another. We talk here a lot about the value of the church and the value of the fellowship and how as Christians, God has instituted the church for His glory and for our good right? It's to your benefit to be a part of the church, uh, to your benefit to be in fellowship with others, to your benefit that we can learn from one another, uh, that we can walk with one another in, in our walk with Christ, that we can disciple one another, right? For our good, for God's glory. And again, like I've grown up in the church and I've seen a lot of things throughout my life of, you know, people coming into a church with their own preferences, right? And maybe some of you, uh, as you've sought out churches over the years to be involved in, what, what's the criteria that you've used to determine, here's where I'm going to land? And, and maybe it has to do with um, the music. Maybe it has to do with the preaching. Maybe it has to do with the length of the service. Maybe it has to do with the building itself. Maybe it has to do with the programs or the ministries that the church offers. And those are all good things to consider. Maybe they're not primary things right? But they're all good things to consider uh, in involvement in the church. I remember one time I met a guy, <clears throat> he came to our church and he was, he showed up maybe a half an hour early. Now, almost nobody was there and this guy was just, you know, sitting in a seat, I think just waiting, you know, for activity to happen. And I went up to him and said, hey, my name's Chad. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here. And he says, uh, I forget his name, but he says, you know, my name's Bob. And I had problems at my last church. That was, that was his intro. <laughs> And I thought, oh, this is going to be an interesting guy. Um, but, but it led to a conversation about just kind of extreme, what I would consider to be kind of worldly preferences <clears throat> in the church, right? And I would ask you just to consider the things that, that maybe tend to bother you 
about your involvement in, in our church in particular. We, we have a really great church here, right? But, but we all have our preferences, and I'm sure many of you kind of have this wish list, like, oh, if I could change one or two things, it might be, you know, this or that. And, and I'm not saying that those things aren't valid, but I would just ask you to consider, you know, the importance that you place on those things. In the one scenario that I mentioned, I had somebody that was ready to leave a church because a child was being noisy. And at the end of the day, it was, it was just bad on them. You know, this was a mature Christian or somebody that I would expect to be a more mature Christian than that, and, and just bad on them <clears throat> for not having some compassion for a family that obviously, you know, needed some help and needed some guidance and needed some mentorship uh, in the raising of their children. <clears throat> do, do you come here on a Sunday morning uh, or any other time during the week to come to your home group or, or whatever it is, thinking about what's in it for you and what you're going to get out of it. I hope that you come here expecting to get something out of it and that there is something for you, but is that your primary concern? Or do you show up on a Sunday morning thinking, <clears throat> how can I serve today? Who can I encourage today? Do, do you come looking for families like the one I mentioned with the intent that maybe I could be of help? Maybe I could be of service. Maybe somebody needs discipled. Do, do you think about that? Or do you think about only your preferences and the way that you wish things would be? Jesus rebuked the disciples because of this. He rebuked them uh, because they were bothered by the presence of children. And I don't think anybody here is bothered by the presence of children. This is, this is what we see in our passage unfolding. But, but the bigger thing to think about is like, are you bothered when your preferences aren't met? Or are you, are you looking to consume or are you looking to contribute? And our encouragement to you would be to look to ways that you can contribute to the good of others for the glory of God. <clears throat> we think of the example of Christ in Philippians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any infection and sympathy... In other words, if, if you're a mature Christian and you recognize these things about Christ, he says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And Paul's encouragement here is to be like Christ who came not to be served, the Bible tells us, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If we take on the name Christian, which, which means little Christ, then, then we ought to resemble the Christ <clears throat> as much as possible, right? And this is what Paul is saying here. <clears throat> if you take on the name Christian, then here's how you resemble the Christ by considering others better than yourself, because it's what Jesus did. By being humble because it's what Jesus did. 
by looking out for the interests of others before your own, because that's what Jesus did. And that's a hard thing for us because we're a selfish people, right? My, my interests are more important than yours most of the time. And you would probably say the same thing to me. It's, it's how we're wired. The Apostle Paul tells us to go against how we're wired and to consider the interests of others more important than our own. And he said that this mind is ours in Christ Jesus. And so this is something that's only able to be accomplished in Christ, right? The, the person who is not a Christian can't, do, doesn't think this way, isn't capable of thinking this way, and isn't capable of living this way. But you, Christian, are capable of thinking this way because Christ has made you capable and you are capable of living this way because he gives you what you need in order to live this out. And he reminds us of gospel truth that, that Jesus emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. The, the creator came to its creation, born as a baby, raised by his parents, clothed and fed and cared for until he could do those things for himself. God became flesh. And he humbled himself by becoming obedient to his father so much so that he died not just an ordinary death, but he died a horrific death, right? Dying, dying on a Roman cross, one of the worst ways to go. And Jesus humbled himself in obedience to his father to the point that he would die in one of the most horrific ways possible. This is the mind that is ours in Christ Jesus that Paul tells us about. Given that this is true, I'll ask you again, do you, do you come solely to consume or do you come not only to consume but also to contribute for the good of others and for the glory of God and particularly our passage today as it pertains to the children that God has brought into our midst? After Jesus rebuked his disciples, he says, let the little children come and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Statistics will tell us that if you're a Christian, you probably became a Christian before you became an adult. It's like 70% or 75%. It's a big number, right? That statistically, if someone's going to come to Christ, they're probably going to do it in their childhood. It's probably going to happen then, right? That the numbers go way down once, once we enter adulthood. And so what does that tell us about the importance of caring for and feeding the children the truths of God. It's an important thing uh, that we do. But again, it's not, not solely reliant. Don't be solely reliant upon the church to do that for you and for your children or for children that you, you may know uh, who aren't necessarily yours, right? Jesus is telling us something here about the importance of children, <clears throat> the importance of bringing them to him, the importance of not hindering them, the importance of, of being compassionate and caring and concerned about the children, the importance of uh, being intentional in feeding our children the truths of God. The disciples' offense at the presence of children was a big deal to Jesus. 
It was a big deal to Jesus, so much so that he needed to rebuke it. He didn't set him down and say, okay, everybody, we're going to have a teaching moment here and didn't do so necessarily with, with much you know, grace and kid gloves. It just says that he rebuked it. He called him out in the moment over this. And so again, it tells us something about how Jesus views children. And then what did Jesus do? It says that he <clears throat> laid his hands on them. In, the, in other words, he prayed for them. He prayed for the children um, and then they went away. So they went back with their parents. Can, can you imagine in this moment, just, just for a second, if, if, you're, if you're at this time in history and you have the opportunity to take your child to Jesus. Now, maybe not everybody recognized Jesus fully for who he was. Maybe for some, he was just another teacher or a rabbi uh, or something like that. Maybe they were just following their customs. But maybe... Maybe some of these parents had a clue who Jesus was. And they took their, their children to Jesus as a parent. It's, there's nothing more important that you can do for your child than to bring them to Christ. Right? We, we can teach our children how to be productive members of society. That's a good thing. Right? We can teach them how to live moral lives. That's a good thing. It's good for everybody. We can teach them how to be kind and teach them how to be respectful and teach them how to be considerate of others. And we should be teaching our children those things because they're important. But they're not as important as teaching our children about Christ. And I think what we see here is that teaching our children about Christ really is a team effort within the church, right? There's a primary responsibility upon parents to teach their children but, but just because you've raised your children and they're out of the house doesn't mean that you don't have somewhat of a responsibility to teach the children that you know that are here in our church. And, and consider that what you might invest in a child could, could mean a lot to them. Like I said before, I think fondly about you know, my involvement in the church growing up. And I think particularly even, even today, all these years later, I think of particular adults um, that, that took the time to, to be concerned for me, <clears throat> some of whom I'm still in touch with today, and some of whom uh, once in a while I just have to thank them um, for being a good adult when I was a little kid uh, and taking the time to care for me. It's had an impact on my life. And so, you know, for those that have raised your kids uh, and don't have kids in the house, don't, don't discount the impact that you can have on somebody else's kids when they come here. Not only that, but don't, don't discount the impact that, that you as someone uh, maybe who has successfully raised your kids, the impact that you can have on parents that maybe are trying to figure it out on the fly, right? You, you know what it's like raising kids and just the busyness of life and how hectic it can be. And <clears throat> sometimes, you know, what three places do the two of us have to be uh, going to games and meetings and concerts and all of those kinds of things. That's a tough, that's a tough deal. And for those of you that have successfully navigated those waters, or even that maybe you don't feel like you've successfully navigated those waters, but you have, you have something to give, right? You have something that maybe can impact a young family that's in the middle of trying to figure out things that you've already done. And, and that's where, you know, raising our children becomes a team effort of the church. And what a cool thing it is for a kid to have that experience to grow up in the church where they've got, you know, a mom and dad <clears throat> that love Christ and maybe lots of aunts and uncles that love Christ as well that can pour into their life and that can invest in their life. <clears throat> because children are a big deal to Jesus, children are a big deal to us. 
And I would just ask all of you <clears throat> to consider how you might invest in the children that are here in our church. And maybe even how you can invest in children who maybe have yet to be a part of our church, but are a part of your life somehow. In what ways can you bring them to Christ? What ways can you bring them to Christ uh, so that they might have a similar experience of being raised and grown up in the church? Again, this mind is ours where we would consider others better than ourselves only in Christ Jesus, right? This is something unique to the Christian, that, that we have this ability given to us by the Holy Spirit to think beyond ourselves, right? And to think to take our interests and our preferences and maybe put them in the back seat so that somebody else's interests and preferences could be more important than ours. And that, that's Christ-like. That, that's Christians representing the Christ well when we can do that. And that doesn't only pertain to children in the church. And so I would ask you to consider ways in which <clears throat> you could demonstrate Christ-likeness with this mind that the Apostle Paul calls all of us to have. And I want to just read this Philippians passage again here as we end to give us something uh, to ponder. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, so that we would all think this way. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God, we're thankful today <clears throat> that you did humble yourself. We're thankful that you did consider our interests better than yours for a time. We're thankful that you emptied yourself, that you became man and that you stepped into human flesh. <clears throat> we're thankful that you were obedient to your father and that you humbled yourself and that you gave your life in dying a tragic and horrific death so that we could be free from the power and the agony of sin. And so God, as the Apostle Paul calls for, I pray that, that we would have this same mind among ourselves of being able to walk in humility and that we would be able to consider the interests of others as we approach our involvement here in this local church, that you would help us all uh, to consider the team effort that it takes to raise a family. You would help us to value the team effort in raising a family and that we would rely on one another and that, that the older people who have raised their children would help the younger families that are trying to do it now. And all of that so that our children would come to know Christ. No matter what they do in life, there's nothing more valuable than our children knowing Christ. And so, God, we pray uh, for the children that are, that are in our midst is that they 
come here week in and week out and participate in Sunday school, <clears throat> that they would truly come uh, to know you, that they would realize that they're a sinner in need of a Savior, even at the youngest age. And so we pray this together, and we pray it in faith, and we ask it all in Christ's name. Amen.